Hello there, film fans, and welcome back to Death by Pod. It's our little horror film podcast where all we do is talk about horror films. My name is Matt Hudson, and joining me, as ever, is the Scream Queen herself. It's Elizabeth. We know her as Bloggy Balboa. How you doing, mate? I am really, really good. I am currently sat in a hole underneath my house where my swimming pool used to be, and... I don't feel 100% okay about it. But other than that, I'm good. How are you? Uh, and I'm good. Any baddies down there or anything of any note? I any kind of like small uh, ladies? Well, I mean, I wanted to go further into the cave, but I couldn't because it was just, there was too much power. So I had to hang back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very wise of you. You don't want to go down there without um, a, a spiritual expert down there. there was, there's a presence. <laughs> It's, it's too strong. I can't. I can't do a particularly good Tangina impression. But I. I kind of wish that there was somebody on this show who could do a good Tangina impression. Do you know of anyone who can do one? I don't. I mean, we should probably explain who Tangina is, and you know what. Oh yeah. What's well, going firstly, today. well, firstly, you asked how I am. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not undead. I'm just a little bit unwell. Hence why I almost ballsed up the intro about three times. I counted in my head, um, unscripted. But no, I, I'm doing well, mate. I'm doing very well. Pleased to be back in the uh, in the wagon to talk about another horror film. Uh, back with yourself, of course, my friend. Firstly, before we talk about who the fuck Tanchina is, what have you had for dinner? As we always ask. What have I had for dinner? Um, I Vape had juice. a. I had yeah, I had some vape juice. It's fucking lit. Um, mm. I had some lentil. All right, get wrap your ears around this. I had some spicy are. red pepper tomato lentil soup. That sounds good. Yeah, with um, with um, just with like some basic bitch bread and butter. Like I didn't do anything sort of fantastic there. I thought the soup already had lentils in it so i thought you know there's no point in doing sort of like well, a cheese toasty or anything because that's a bit too much we don't, we don't need to go up mark you've already got lentils in there darling i know and then i had an apple so i bet i basically i just had like a proper world war ii dinner to be honest with you what did you that have? is proper Pound ration egg? food but it sounds good though it um, is it is I, I like that. I like that kind of soup. I had one at work the other day. And um, what did I have today? I had I had a burger. I had a cheeseburger for my dinner tonight. I made some fries as well. Mine wasn't a ration. Nice. Mine was just like a fat boy dinner, <laughs> of which I must. As I said last <laughs> episode, I must rid myself of this kind of food. But um, I eat soup at work during the week. So that's got to count for something, surely. Plus, I haven't been well. So you yeah. know what they say, feed the illness and all that crap. Yeah. And you, you, don't, you, can't, you don't make friends with salad. Yeah, you don't make friends with salad, you don't make friends of salad either. But hopefully we've made yeah. friends with all of you listeners who have come back for <laughs> Death by Pod for this very special episode of Death by Pod. It's not special because it's any different, but I think it's the first time we've ever done a follow-up episode for a film that we spoke about previously. We're just following up with the sequel. I don't think we've ever done that unless my brain is going haywire. But uh, without leaving the listeners no, in any more suspense... What are we talking about, mate? What are we talking about? And it's also special because it's episode 30. Oh, yeah. We're about to say we're in double figures, but we're not. We're just in a new decade of episode. <laughs> <laughs> so it's episode 30. It's our first follow-up, and it is Poltergeist 2. That is what we're doing Ooh. today. And also, uh, spoiler warning, if you haven't seen Poltergeist 2, um, then go and watch it and then come back. Yeah, we're going to spoil and- the whole thing. I <laughs> Well done. Well done. I'm glad we get things the first time around here. 
Um, all right then. Well, for those who have seen it, then you probably don't need to be reminded, but we're going to anyway. Who's who directs it? Who's stars in it, mate? Right. So it's directed by Brian Gibson, which I'm a little bit sad about because we've got no more Toby Tobe. No, we um, haven't. It's a bit of a shame. There's no, there's nothing funny about Brian Gibson, is there? It's just uh, Brian Gibb isn't Brian. as funny as Toho. Yes. <laughs> No, it's not. <laughs> it was released on the 23rd of May in 1986. It stars Craig T. Nelson once again as Steve Freeling, Joe Beth Williams as Diane Freeling, Oliver Robbins as Robbie Freeling, Heather O'Rourke as yeah. Carol Ann Freeling, Julian Beck as Kane, Zelda Rubenstein as Tangina, Will Sampson as Taylor, and Geraldine Fitzgerald as Grandma Jess. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scored at 20%. Oh. That's a little bit upsetting. Yeah. Oh, all of these are really upsetting. Rotten Tomatoes scored at 20%. Letterbox users scored at 2.7 out of 5. And IMDb was 5.6 out of 10. Wow. Jesus. Well, um, I didn't... I had, I don't think I'd seen this film. I remember, you t- I remember saying to you last episode, I thought I have, but I don't think I did. And you said, mate, don't, don't read anything about it. You said, that's how you talk. Don't read anything about it. Just go and watch it. So... You'd actually told me it was on Prime Video, and I forgot that. So I went on Google, searched Poltergeist 2, just to see where I could watch it. And then just be up, just below the Prime Video logo were these scores. And I thought, oh, shit. But I'll, I'm going to blast through it anyway. And um, maybe that is an indication of what I thought about the film. Maybe it wasn't. But um, what's this film about then, this follow-up to Poltergeist? So Poltergeist 2 is, uh, I believe it's directly after... The events of the first one um so it's now about that the freelings they're kind of like uh you know they're nomads they've got nowhere to live they've had to move back in with diane's mum um grandma jess and um basically like the family are sort of in financial difficulty now because the house just disappeared into its own arsehole they can't get any money steve's kind of doing really weird crappy jobs and it's really kind of dark and depressing and then guess what carolan gets haunted again doesn't she by by the ghosts and that's yes. poltergeist 2 that is pretty much poltergeist 2 and thankfully tangina shows up in this and we will yes. talk about tangina as well but uh, rather than being uh ghosted or spooked should i say for want of a better term by Likes coming out of a television. Um, Kane is the bad guy in this film, or the antagonist, who was played by Julian Beck. And uh, Bloggy, I believe you've got something you want to share with the listeners. Yes, I do. And the last episode, I uh, we said we talked about Julian Beck in this movie, and just said some things about how he looked, and I didn't realise that he was actually dying of stomach cancer during the filming so uh yeah apologies to anyone so well just apologies really just for being insensitive i should have looked up how julian beck died in the circumstances around it so yes that's my first ever official death by pod apology so i'm really sorry guys really insensitive uh yep yeah, uh apologies for me as well for joining in it's not obviously nice when somebody is going through what Julian Beck was, but well said, Bloggy. And also apologies for making it sound like a school teacher there by saying, haven't you got something to say to the audience now? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah. No, it's, it's very, I must try harder. <laughs> yeah, must try harder. No, no, no. Let's get on with the show then, my friends. Like you said, we're going to go full spoilers into Poltergeist 2 each episode. 
we don't leave you or anyone else in suspense we just say straight up top what we thought about this film now given that this was bloggy's choice to speak about this one or her her lust and desire to follow up with this one i think it's fair to say you quite enjoyed this film don't you mate I really like this film, but it's because it's the, it's the nostalgia thing for me. Because um, I watched it when I was a kid, so I and I I I still I still think that it's really scary, and I still think it's really good. But I'm keen to hear what you think, Matt. Because as a Rotten Tomatoes approved critic, and all, are you in the twenty percent club? Certified. Um, well, having seen those scores <laughs> going in, I was a bit you know I was a bit like brown panting it throughout, but. Um, do you know what? I didn't actually mind this film. I, if, if if you want to break that down to be like a two out of ten score, yeah, get out of it. Pull the other one. This film's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. Is it a bit cheesy at times? Yeah. But what I like about it is in true sequel form, they went bigger. They took the story to bigger places. But I think what Brian Gibson let into more was the actual horror angle of it, or at least the more the supernatural horror than the first film. There's still comedy throughout this film and Craig T. Nelson is still having the time of his life, but it did feel like a darker film, didn't it? And I think you kind of set me up for that last week, but I felt like it was. And do you know what? It didn't feel out of place because did, they didn't go full horror. They didn't commit fully. They kept some of those strands from Toby's film or his style, which I think worked quite well. And some of the individual performances in this film were, were very good. Um, mm. And some of them, weren't looking at you robbie again <laughs> but um yeah no for the most part though i was you know genuinely surprised by this film that i was i was digging it and i'm not just saying that because bloggy knows me i'll uh, we're, we're both the same we'll both say it how it is but i didn't mind this film actually i expect it to be a load of old dump but i quite enjoyed it mate I'm honestly, I'm so glad because i was really worried that i was going to be like i love this because i knew i knew it wasn't well liked <laughs> I know that people, it's a bit, it's a lot like Gremlins 2, actually. A lot of people are like, oh, Gremlins 2 or Jaws 2, even. These sort of like, these sort of 80s sequels, people yeah. are like, oh, they're rubbish. And actually, I really like Gremlins 2 and Jaws 2. So I'm like, well, <laughs> may as well like Poltergeist 2 as well. But no, I'm really, I'm really, really glad that you liked it. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it, I think it's a lot darker. But then I think that they really play on Craig T. Nelson is, you know, his, his, abilities as a comedic actor and also then will sampson as well who um i guess is kind of more known for um one flew over the cuckoo's nest isn't it and then he does sort of have this sort of back and forth um I mean, to be fair, I don't. I don't even think that he talked much in one flew over the cuckoo's nest i don't think he said anything until the very end yeah in fact i don't even think he says anything at the end does he just I'm sure he, he says like someone one on or the two head and words. buggers off or something. Yeah, I'm sure they did that in The Simpsons too, which they did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for someone to say, but I'm sure he says, and I, I love that film. And now I'm starting to, I'm flogging myself because I can't remember if he speaks or not. I'm sure he says like one word, whether it's chief or something, but um, yeah, he's really, really good. And I, I think in this film, actually, they mention there's a line about, um, I think Steve or Craig T. Nelson he's says. an escapee. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure something about that. I was like, oh, that's yeah, that's a funny he's little an throwback. escapee from the Tribal Asylum. That's right, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's I, I understood that reference, but um, yeah, no, he's he's which he brings a, like a weird presence to this film, and um, quite I quite like his. I think most most of the actors, I think, are, are, are playing it fairly straight. You know, they know what kind of film they're yeah. in, um, and they give a performance. 
in context with it. I think one or two go uh, that extra bit further and have, and um, kind of commit to the horror vibes a little bit more. But um, I, I can't hold back any longer, Bloggy. We mentioned <laughs> we mentioned Tangina, everybody's favourite. Oh, what is whatever she's psychoanalyst <laughs> or clairvoyant. Now, our last week's episode, I tried in vain to do an impression of her, and it just sounded like I had something stuck in my throat. And then one, I don't know, let's just say probably Wednesday afternoon, Tuesday afternoon, Elizabeth, she sent me a message which blew my socks off. And uh, <laughs> I want to say I didn't see it was coming, but there was a build-up to it. And Blocky, guess what? I've got it. Shall we hear it? Oh, can I just say I was sober? Okay. Just want to point this out. This is, this is the, yeah, another apology, guys. I'm really sorry. No, go for it, Matt. Show the people. Your daughter is highly clairvoyant, as I suspect you are as well. Now tell me what you feel. <laughs> Come on, that was good. I feel like you've been practicing your whole life in the mirror for that one moment. And it was very good. <laughs> see, due respect, see, I wasn't going to lie about it. It was very good. My favourite part of it, in hindsight, was you saying, oh, you know, that was good, wasn't it? And like pleading almost to yourself or to, I don't know who you were talking to, but you're like, oh, that was really good. Tell me. I've never tried to do a Tangina impression before. You know, when you're like, because usually when I try and do an impression, I hold the person in my head and I'm like, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do an impression. And then it comes out like utter shite. And everyone (laughs) looks at me and goes, please never do that again. But Tangina, this is, this is like an untapped, you know, skill. It came out of nowhere. It literally, I plucked it out of the air. I don't know where it came from. You plucked from. it out of somewhere, lands. but wherever it came <laughs> from, damn, did it sound good. I've I, I I heard your impression TV. of yeah, Freddy Krueger on this show. Um, who else have you tried to impersonate? Other people on this show. Um, Frank from Hellraiser. Um, but none, there is ever, <laughs> none could ever hold a candle to Tangina now. She's gone up there in the Hall of Fame. Oh, there's a, um, there was a, uh, didn't, wasn't there, there was a man-child impression as well. Oh, the prodigy fella. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, when he turned around so and he, 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 like, he got pubes in your mouth or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. <laughs> uh, go check out that episode, oh. guys, please. It's, it's, yeah. it's one of our more popular ones, believe it or not, because the film is popular. Is it really? Genuinely is. I think oh, the most God. popular one. Here, here's us looking, looking glass. I think the most popular one is, fuck, I think it's Misery. I think it was last time I checked. Which okay, is uh, okay. which was also a very good, very good show. But hopefully this one will be <laughs> even more popular. Well, hopefully my the Tangina impression. If we like, you Go know, viral. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> Listening to that, I actually I'm sitting in my house on my own and I've just gone bright red. Yes. Well, let's uh, well let's like, redeem you. Oh, it's cringe. I thought it was good. I hope, and I think everyone listening will agree that it was a very, very good impression. So, um, unblush Thanks, those guys. cheeks, Balboa, and tell us then, t- <laughs> tell the world then, what is it? Why? Now, let's get into the film. Then we always we leave most of the things we didn't like towards the end, but we might weave them in. But now, what? What? Yeah. What? When well, no, a Poltergeist two, tell me about it. You said you watched it as a kid, and you've got nostalgia for it. But everybody else seems to hate it, according to the internet, which is never reliable. But you love it, mate. Yeah, I do. And I think it's because, you know, even though I hadn't really seen much of the first film, mm-hmm. I still think with this one, you know, and especially now, like 
watching the first one and then immediately watching the second one you've really you've got that strong like familial bond you really know the characters and you're really rooting for this family and it sucks to see them on such hard times like it sucks to see steve say um like depressed and that he's having to sell vacuums door to door and that you know clearly him and diane are kind of going through you know a, a pretty rough period but their marriage they're still able to comfort one another and you know have fun with the kids and it's not you know they're just sort of like this perfect lovable family because you know I'm sure any other family or situation if you're like you know I really want you to go out and sort yourself out and they're they're all kind of clearly suffering from PTD and stuff and it's just this whole like they would all be arguing and everything would be awful right if you had to go and live with your mum with your all your family and your house had got sucked into itself by a ghost and <laughs> You know, like I think that would test any marriage, but not Steve and Diane. Like this is what I love about Steve and Diane. Like even even when he starts t- talking about how he shagged some woman called Cookie, Cookie. Who, <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbled. Cookie, cookie Garnage, I think. And I'm like, wow, she sounds sexy. Sounds <laughs> like a hook. <laughs> she sounds like something off Sesame Street. Um, not quite a hooker, then. You know, there's, there's well, it depends what you're into. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Puppet sex. Just have a... What, what was the name of the guy on the drums? Animal. Animal. He would be the pimp. He would be the one that would be like, we'll get away. Whoa. Two impressions in one show. <laughs> oh, God, I, I didn't think They're he spoke. They're all the same voice, though. Have you noticed that? That, that was Freddy Krueger as well. <laughs> Welcome to pimp time, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded just like Freddy Krueger as much as it sounded like Esther from Orphan. Oh god. But yeah, that I like the I like the whole the family and everything and how close they are, but then also how scary everything is this time around because the other time it's kind of very Spielbergy like, oh isn't this charming? And this time it's like, nah, this is this is like there's there's rape, there's actual like child peril where you sort of see Caroline get the soul sucked out of her and um there's a big uh, maggot monster that he throws up out of his mouth. Yeah. There's creepy preacher. You know, there's there's all sorts of stuff going on, and it's um, definitely darker and definitely um, more creative. And I think that's why I like it so much. So there we yeah, go. Yeah, there's they certainly went a lot more effects heavy this time around, which was saying something because the first film had its fair share of special effects as well. But this one just seemed to go yeah. bigger like that. The, the scene with um, Robbie shaving and his braces, they, they kind of, they just emanate from his mouth and start um, spreading across his face and they pin him to the ceiling. And then it, uh, and then Steve goes up to save him and he ends up getting caught in Robbie's brace monster uh, but that in its that in itself, that kind of however they did it, the what the machine or stop motion or whatever they did, that's already a, an effect on a much bigger scale than what you saw in the first film or a sequence at least, I think, than what you saw in the first film. It felt like something out of uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street. It felt like a Freddy Krueger moment where that's the yeah. sort of thing he would do to one of his victims by using something against them. Um, but yeah, that scene kind of, I you know that's kind of halfway through the film now or two thirds of the way, but it was one of those moments where I thought, yeah, they've, yeah, they've, they've gone bigger this time around yeah. and, um, having a, an actual like, physical baddie villain antagonist, I think helped the film as well in Julian Beck's Kane, 
having somebody who you can see, even though he's the kind of physical manifestation of the beast, as they call it, actually having that presence on set and on screen, I found a lot more unnerving this time around. I don't know if I'm willing to say this film was better than the first film, but I think that the actual, like you said, the peril and the threat and the dread, that is more unnerving this time because Julian Beck's cane is terrifying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's terrifying in a in such a malevolent way as well. Like the the scene with him and Steve where he comes to the door and he's yeah, just, you know, yeah. he's he's saying like you you've got you've got a, an Indian living with you and he's you can tell that he's cuz you can tell that Steve is kind of having I don't know, a bit of a sort of a masculine crisis, if you like, where he's unable to provide for his family. He's felt that he wasn't able to protect them. And, you know, and then this, this, and Taylor's come in and, you know, Taylor is a massive guy for one thing, much bigger than Steve is. So the the physicality of him, he's, he's a much manlier man, but then Mm -hmm. because he's also, um, you know, a native American, he's, um, and he he calls himself a warrior all the time. You know that's pretty hard to compete with. Yeah, and I couldn't. Kane, like, yeah, fuck that. Kane, <laughs> Kane really plays on that. Kane clearly yeah. plays not only in only his fears as a man, but his fears as a father and a provider. And um, you know, he really exploits that. And then obviously that that <clears throat> the, the rape scene um, between between Steve and Diane. Again, that's. Um, that's really malevolent and horrible. Like the fact that, you know, cause they, they keep saying the whole time, it's the love of the family that keeps this guy at bay. Like yeah. he can't get Caroline as long as you all love each other. And what's the worst thing that a husband could do to his wife, you know? And the fact that Diane just keeps saying like, I please don't do this. Cause I love you. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. You know? And then even, um, Caroline doesn't want to be around Steve because she's like, get away from me. Yeah. You're rapist kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> It's that Robbie doesn't care. Um, He's too no busy playing with braces. So that, yeah. <laughs> I don't even understand what he was doing with his braces because it looks like he's trying to sort of take them off. But I'm like, well, are they are they hurt? I've never had braces, so I have. Did they hurt him, or what? Did you, did you do that? Did you oh, they, look at your braces and sort of hold them? Or? Yeah, they didn't pin me to the ceiling, so I, I can't really share no, my experience no. with Robbie. Sadly, but no, yeah, when you can feel them after like, every now and then. I don't know. It's having something clamped to your mouth, and the whole point there there is to straighten your gob. Obviously, here's dental one hundred and one. So when it when they start to work, of course, there's a little bit of discomfort, and it feels like a little tautness okay. inside your mouth. But um, yeah, obviously, what Robbie had uh, was slightly more traumatizing. He, he wears football helmets and holds baseball bats um, because of that. But that scene, oh, actually, yeah. that scene was only put in because Robbie was scared of bees, not the bees. And the and he was supposed to be attacked by bees originally, but he was like, no, 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 I'm not doing that. So they put in the braces scene instead. So we could have had like a My Girl, like pre-My Girl bee attack. Oh my but, God, like a Thomas J. Yeah, but we didn't get it. Uh, we didn't get it. We but didn't get it. Um, Yeah, that scene is, uh, I really, really like that scene. Again, there's something about scenes like this. I mentioned it in the first film where it's just two actors just standing there acting. There's nothing necessarily supernatural going on. There's no... Nothing wild happening in the background. It's just two people interacting about something which just happens to be uh, supernatural. And you're right, he does say, he says, you're not man enough to hold your family together. That's what you're scared of. And with Taylor around, that's not going to help. But Taylor later says to uh, Diane in, in, in the garden, 
he, he says, you know, you're not, you're not a man, as if to say, like, you wouldn't understand. But she very quickly retorts b- back by saying, well, you're not a mother. And because of that, because I'm a mother, I have to do what I can to hold my family together, blah, blah. So I find that, you know, when any kind of like masculine threat from Taylor is all absorbed by Steve, you know, Diane, she's just like, yeah, that might be true cares. I'm a mother, which is mm-hmm. much harder than what you've got going on, bro. Um, and yeah, you can tell that he's, is zoning straight he needs to find a way in and steve of all people yeah. is going to be that way in and yeah that the, the the rape scene in this is very um it's a lot again it, compared to the last film it's so much stronger this film is you know where they start to go in this film and um like before when steve walks in and diane thinks he's hammered um but we know that he's got the beast in him and he starts shouting, you know, to Diane, you never wanted Carol Ann. You didn't want that. She was a mistake. Of course, Carol Ann hears this. Carol Ann! <laughs> I, I do quite find that funny where he's like, because his, his, that's another, an amazing impression. Craig T. Nelson's impression of Julian Beck is class, mate. <laughs> I absolutely like he's going, tempo! And he's tempo. like pushing his mouth out and out. He's in his whole temple. <laughs> you're like, go, go, Craig T. Nelson, go. But um, it wasn't yeah, even sorry, Julian. Be- no, no, no. It wasn't even Julian Beck all the time, was it? Because he passed away not long after this finished filming, and uh, they had Corey Burton, who's a very good voice actor. He came into ADR and redubbed some of the lines. But um, that's proper. It's, it's Julian Beck's like, mannerisms and the way, and the way he, and theatrics is yeah. That is who he's channeling. But this, but the scene where he um, after yeah, Diane and, and Steve are having a struggle, and she's saying she loves him, she loves him. Suddenly, like, well, I, again, I, I, I know, I know now. I haven't seen this film when this bit happens, but like a scrotum literally appears from his mouth. That's what it looks like at the time, and it turns uh, into like yeah. a man dog or a walk or an orc with no legs and all, and it's all ribs. Um, I was like, "What the fuck is that? It, it's this really mental beast just like, appears, like, vomits out of his gob, and I had no idea that was coming, mate." Yeah. No, it is, it is really good because I, I like it because it sort of looks like, you know, them old Victorian like seance pictures where people are just <laughs> flobbing out like a lava lamp from their mouth. <laughs> flobbing out bollocks. <laughs> you, know you know the ones I mean, don't you, where it's like, oh, well, what the fuck is yes, that? Yes, I do, but uh, I hadn't thought about yeah. that when I watched this, but now you say it, yes, it rings a bell in my head, but um, yeah, you didn't tell me about that scene quite wisely no I, well, I purposefully didn't I, I purposefully left a lot for you to just discover for yourself what a nice person. i gave you some flavors didn't i uh yes i had some seasoning on the steak but i didn't get to eat the steak until i uh, until i put it on amazon prime but uh yeah no th- i didn't know that was coming and again it, it's a sign that they've gone bigger with their budget they're leaning more into horror slash body horror to an extent as well mm. and it took me by surprise like this whole film did because we we mentioned Kane, and of course he's he he's the beast, and they go into his backstory about how he keeps his followers in the cave, and that. How do you think that all played out? Well, I mean, just going back to some of the stuff that you said, I don't know if you remember. I WhatsApped you and was like, "Oh my god, I've come up with this whole thing, and I can't wait to tell you about it." Yes, you did. Sorry, I was really yes, I too excited Sorry, that one. So. Sorry, <laughs> you did, didn't you? Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, so I, with Poltergeist, I was saying that it's a really female-focused film. Yes. That it's all about Diane and Carol Ann and Tangina and uh, the doctor lady, whose name I can't remember. Les? Doctor, 
Lesh? Yeah, less, less or something, less or. Um, so my notes, and I'm just going to sort of read them out, was that this film plays on gender roles and the role of men. So I think that's why, you know, Pol- Poltergeist 1 is quite tame and Poltergeist 2 is actually quite violent in a way and it's quite hmm. um it's more hard hitting you know and you've got you've got steve like i said he's not earning very much and he says i'm in i'm in the downwards mobility i'm not getting i'm already in it like he has given up potentially um or de- well definitely he's g- given up he talks about cheating on diane years ago but that he could always sweet talk her around with a song even though she hated him so that's you know that's quite a sort of like boys will be boys kind of like this old school male thing and he's sort of harking back to, to, oh, well, I used to be like a big dick swinging ladies man back in the day. And I could, all, I, you know, I could go and do whatever with Cookie, but then I could sing you a song and you'd come back to me. Whereas now, you know, he's fucking selling vacuums and stuff. So he's feeling pretty bad about himself and he's licking his wounds. Um, you know, and he's, Kane is saying, you're, you're not man enough to hold this family together. Then you've got on the other half of that, you've got Kane's backstory where he's leading his people to their demise. And so yeah. he's kind of a failed religious father figure. He's he's leading people and Steve is leading people and they're both kind of, they failed in their own ways, you know. And Kane is really projecting that onto Steve in this. Um, and he's, you know, and it, it, there is that kind of spiritual, religious, you know, the, the gods in his holy temple and all the rest of it. And obviously the Bible is... A, massively male focused story (laughs) just a bit there yeah um and you know it says something taylor says something to Stephen, which i found really interesting he says that he has to take full responsibility of everything in his life but then he also says to him since he's been born some since you were born someone has been doing something to you against your will and i'm like okay Hmm. well what does that mean because it kind of felt a bit like he was saying you know you're abused or something happened to you and he reacts really badly to that. And obviously he's drinking really heavily as well. And as soon as Taylor comes in, he's sort of challenging him, isn't he? And sort of taking the piss out of him and all the rest of it. And Taylor just basically puts him in his place. And I'm I'm wondering whether it's there's, he's got some kind of daddy issues, I think. You know, and this is just me spitballing, but it's the fact that Taylor's yeah. like, if someone's been doing something to you and the fact that he's really reluctant to admit that and you could see that he gets quite vulnerable... And then it's not long after that that he then tries to rape his wife. So I'm like, okay, you know, is this kind of like a is this like a dad thing? Um, and I, obviously, I don't know. Um, but yeah, so he's trying to he's trying to rape his wife, kind of under Kane's influence. And I've put that men have this 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 power to kind of rip families apart in that way. And obviously, I'm not saying women don't, but mm-hmm, in yeah. the context of this film, it's very focused on the man and and Stephen's a real pivotal role to the family. Um, you know, there's there's one bit where he's trying to make everyone laugh, <laughs> made me <laughs> laugh anyway. Where he's like, we could we could put e- we could put some water wings on Ebers, we could push him down the slide, and we'll laugh, won't we? Ha <laughs> ha! And like and no one is. else is laughing. Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> so he has a he has you know, and he has, he just has this difficulty in following strong men. You know, Ta- yeah, Taylor's there yeah. trying to help him, and he's really rejecting him, and it's. And I think that's that's why he has that chat with him to sort of say like, no, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Cut the shit, take responsibility <laughs> because this this isn't going away, kind of thing. And then you know you the bit that you were talking about with Robbie's braces, like he's trying to shave, 
and it's kind of like okay so there's this really big focus on like becoming a man and Mm -hmm. then you see Robbie in the tent being like hi mum I'm learning how to protect the family and and he's he's trying to sort of mature before his age, before his time, and he's getting punished for it, you know, like by by Kane. Kane doesn't need any more strong men in that household, um, and it, it is much more violent and dark, just because it's about male leadership and the idea of a man's role in society, especially at the time, and their role in the family. But uh, t- Taylor's kind of spirituality and, and otherness, which is a word that I don't really want to use, but I don't know what else to, to call yeah. it. Cause that's how it's framed in the film as well is that he's, you know, that somehow having a, you know, a native American in your house is, is weird and unusual. Um, and that they're untrustworthy. So I think probably this is not aged well, but it helps Stephen to become a, a well-rounded family, you know, male for his family. But it is short-lived and superficial because Taylor ends up doing most of the legwork on his behalf anyway. Like Taylor's kind of there to go like, oh, he's lying, jump in the fire, here's some smoke, now you can get rid of this thing. Oh, here's a big spear. Like really Steve doesn't do anything, but mm-hmm. Taylor gives him the, the leg up. Um, but then at the end, Taylor's still the dominant male anyway because um, he, he knows how to sort the car out and Steve just freely gives it to he him. He gets the car, Without yeah. even thinking about, yeah, without even thinking about the fact that his family need to be driven out of the, you know, smouldering grave in the ground that they've just popped out of. So I found the whole, you know, and also just that they're flat broke and he gave him the car. And I'm like, okay, so the car, it's a really weird message, but it's sort of, I don't know, sort of punishing weak men in a way. Um, and I, fu- I just found it all really interesting because it was completely the opposite for the first one and the first one's kind of a little more, bit more jovial and a bit lighter. And this one is just completely different. Um, so that that was that was what I found out. <laughs> just, I think it's about strong male leadership and stuff like that. So there we go. That's what I think. I think it's genuinely brilliant, and I do as well uh, because I hadn't <laughs> thought about it. I know I had. I generally I hadn't thought about it like that at all. Because yeah, you did say that in the last episode that Poltergeist uh, 1982 is pro- is a female film. You know, it is primarily focused on the females, uh, whereas here there is a much more of a male presence and also in a leading sense in terms of the film uh, and the struggles and how they face and how they deal with them. And you're right, because of that, the film takes on a, a tougher, harder edge. Of course, it's the 80s when, you know, men were expected to be men as well. But um, mm. yeah, and and, the, and that scene I mentioned earlier on with Diane, when she just, you know, body slams Taylor, she's like, listen, I'm a mother. Th- that is, you know, that it's kind of plays into it in my head as well, where, you know, look at how the guys are dealing with the, the, this, uh, what's going on and, one's dealing with his own personal insecurities and then when diane is you know pushed against a wall not literally in this sense but you know she's challenged she just snaps straight back immediately with the facts and like she would have done in the first film so i generally think that's an incredibly uh well observed little dichotomy there i had honestly not thought about that dude. yeah well, I mean, even even that scene. I mean, even with that, Taylor kind of puts Diane back in her place because she he says, "Oh, you're not a man, are you?" And she goes, "No, but I'm a mother, and this is what children should have." And he goes, "Well, mm-hmm. um, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't like put your children down because children have fought wars, and you shouldn't, 
you shouldn't look at them any differently just because they're young. And he sort of goes like, well, shut the fuck up, Diane, because this kid <laughs> probably protects his family. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're just not letting him. And he protects her earlier on, doesn't he? You're, yeah, and he sort of gives it the whole, like, you're undermining your own son. So he's, again, he's he's putting his big dick energy in there and saying, like, well, actually, no, I'm not a mother, but I'm a man and I understand men. And I understand that children shouldn't be overlooked and undervalued just because they're small and young. And she just sort of walks away and you're like, what's okay. going on here? <laughs> yeah, it's like plenty of BDE. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's just fighting with each other. But then again, there is a malevolent spirit after one of the kids. This is true. I mean, I I did want to. I I actually did look as I, I I'm, you know, I'm not going to pretend like I know loads about Native American culture because there isn't a whole bunch of it here in the UK. Um, but I did sort of look up whether, you know, this it has poltergeist too. The way that they portray Taylor is is it kind of offensive? I I couldn't work it out, but it didn't a hundred percent sit right with me because i was just watching it and thinking like i'm sure that people probably get annoyed about this sort of representation of the fact that he just comes in and floats some leaves around and that they all don't trust him as well and it's that kind of like oh he's a bit weird and you know that otherness that i was talking about and it's sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's negative Mm -hmm. and i don't I couldn't. I couldn't work out where it sat, so I just sort of left it. But I, I wondered whether you sort of felt anything about that. Uh, um, I suppose it's the only uh, the same as how they they portray Tangina. He calls her the Magic Munchkin in this one, doesn't he? <laughs> so uh, yeah, maybe they could have picked better, <laughs> better terminology than that. But yeah, with with Taylor, I think like when Kane says, you know, you've got you've got an Indian in your house, and you know he's evil, and you, you can't help but think about. Well, what's happening in more recent times with um, the the way that the uh, indigenous people of America or even you know Australia and everything are treated, you know, and, and back then you imagine maybe those attitudes were running a more right and unchecked, but and yeah, the scene where they doubt Taylor, they just think he's a bit of an idiot, and then when they see him floating around with leaves and butterflies, they're like, oh my god, yeah, now now we believe him, he must have magical powers. And then we sit times out that well, it kind of does at the end with how he manages to conjure up the fire and the spear later on. I don't know what I think about the portrayal or representation of him in this film. I think that there are some kind of undercurrents which, like you mentioned, haven't aged well. I do think there's a line here or a line there, mm. but. I don't, I mean, because I'm, I'm also kind of comparing how he was in One Flew Over Cuckoo's Nest, just this kind of like mysterious, mute monster of a man who is almost looked upon differently because he is a Native American. So I don't want to sit here and say, yeah, I think there is definitely a problem. Absolutely. But I, yeah, because that's how I felt as well. But I don't know if there was any real kind of misrepresentation or attempt to put down the uh the, the native american no people. i wasn't sure if there was because you know like he uh steve says things like you know i you know i really like these people and i'm pretty sure that i'm you know a fifth cherokee my grandmother will never admit it that was something and i'm like yeah so is this kind of holding up a mirror just to 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 attitudes and stuff and how they can change and yeah. you know the sort of the way that people 
because obviously there's still like massive things wrong with the way that Native Americans are treated and stuff. So it's just, yeah, I just thought it was interesting, but I couldn't find anything. I couldn't find anything. Like there, there wasn't anyone that sort of said like, hey, I'm Native American and Poltergeist 2 is fucking atrocious, which, you know, usually there would be something like yeah, that. Yeah, I haven't seen anything so, like that. I looked just in like reviews or just in because this film was getting shat shit on by people. I had a little yeah, look around. Yeah. Well, that's because that was why. Because I thought, is it because it's racist? Is yeah. that because I <laughs> people I just don't like I can't it. understand why people have a different opinion to me. How dare they? <laughs> they must have something it's awful. Probably about because them. it must be that the, the film's racist. That's the only explanation for it. That's Other than that, hundred percent an RT. Otherwise, clearly, but, uh, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't read their reviews because uh, again. Whatever I talk about, I don't want other people's opinions to cloud my own. So I've come into this with my own. But I did want to see well, what was the overarching reasons why people thought this film was bum. And to this day, I mean, to this day, it's only been a week, but I still haven't really found any. I just think people, <laughs> I just think people don't like the film. And it's, it's not a perfect film by any means. But not to be fair, not many horror films or, or sequels in general are. But representation wasn't one that I found jumped up as to why this film was so harshly treated. Um, and I'll get, I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head now, why would that be? We knew from the first film that this is a world where things come out of the TV and nick your kids, that trees come to life. So anything goes basically a house can be swallowed just like that. And people get on with it. And it's like, okay, I'm traumatized, but let's still go and sell vacuums. So, Having someone like Kane turn up and having followers in a cave and having Tangina go underneath the ground and, you know, look at this burial site. None of that feels like a massive stretch or none of it feels like they've jumped the shark. So I don't really know what it is about the film. Maybe it's the ending where it goes, where we, we you know, we see inside, inside the further, the upside down, whatever you want to call it. We see this other dimension. I don't know, maybe that was a step too far for people, but would you really score a film so poorly because of the ending if the rest of it was solid? Yeah, you might knock it down a mark or two, but I don't know. I, I what, what do you think, mate? Why do you think people have suddenly gone from, well, haven't suddenly, they went from Poltergeist, this is great, this is one of the best films of the decade, to a sequel coming out and them saying, naff, not very good. I can't really put my finger on it, man. I mean, so just thinking about the horror trends of the time, I suppose this is when you're getting into um, the slasher bust. Yeah. So, um, you know, horror is kind of not very well revered anymore. At this, the same year, you've got things like Critters, The Fly, um, Little Shop of Horrors. And it seems as though a lot of the movies out this year they're not really that good. I mean, you know, and you are Friday the 13th, Jason lives, you know, and I think in all fairness, I think it was just at a period where people would just got lethargic with horror. I think it was an oversaturated market and everyone was trying to do something different to, um, you know, zhuzh it all up again. And I don't think it really worked out too well. I think that, I just think that a lot of people and probably a lot of critics were just fed up with all of the same shit over and over again. I mean, you know, this was when Maximum Overdrive came out, for Jeez. fuck's sake. Yeah, you know, fair so enough. People, people aren't... And to be fair, like, The Fly is a really good movie, but, you know, it's, it's still it's on that same kind of... 
Yeah, and there's a, I think there's a lot of this is when a lot of people were were playing around with makeup effects as well, and um, you know, and you've got troll and things like that, and I think just people just had had enough at this point, and I think that Pirate Guys too really got luck because it because it has got that sort of kitschy you know here's all these here's what we can create yeah um you know sort of like that fright night you know like like the bit in the first one with the guy ripping his face off and you just sort of think oh you know mm-hmm. and i think this film um people just people just tarred it with with the brush of the year i suppose which was horror sucks and i, I can't blame them for that yeah no it's a good thing they released another film afterwards <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a good job that they carried on with the third one. I mean, so I'm wondering if the Rotten Tomatoes is that is that also historic reviews? Um, some some of them are. Some of them will be more recent ones, but but even then, by more recent, it's kind of twenty years ago. Um, kind yeah, of they archived um, reviews. I mean, but I'm going to have a little looky at the minute as well now. But twenty percent. You know, the Metacritic score is 49, which is a little bit more like it. But um, we've got a few from 2021, which is really odd. But that may have also been when they were added as well. Um, Sometimes they don't archive them by their release date. There's an awful lot of these from the first week of November in 2021. So I'm thinking that they migrated them all then. There's a couple from 2015, 2011, 2008, and then going back to the early noughties. But I do think a lot of them would have been added or migrated because another thing that RT does is when you are accepted, they say, do you want us to archive or migrate your reviews for you to save you time? So that could have been ones from 1984 if you're like a New York Times or something, or it could have been ones from last week. So it looks like a load yeah. have been moved over at the beginning of November, but you know, most of them seem to be in the last 20 odd years. And that surprises me because the, the noughties were shit for horror for the most part. And actually Poltergeist 2 is far better than most of the films we got in the noughties. Yeah. And also didn't, didn't our listeners vote for this as well? Yes, over they did. Orphan. Over yeah, Orphan so first I, I mean, whether they, they're hoping people are going to tune in and be like, man, I wanted them to shit talk it. And they're, oh, yeah, they're sorry. just, they're enjoying it. I don't know, but yeah. That would be interesting to find out. Actually, did do our listeners it like this film? And if they don't, why don't they like it? Like, what what is it? Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just the general vibe of it. it maybe be. we have bad taste. Yeah, maybe we're the we ones in the wrong. Taste? Maybe we. Yeah, maybe <laughs> are we the baddies? I kind of feel <laughs> yeah, like are we the bad guys. <laughs> but but the bad guys think they're the heroes, so that would be the problem. Is we'd never know that we were the bad guys. Um, mm. Maybe it's just a general vibe because there are some films like we've watched some before where um, you watch it and people like it and you know, this doesn't work for us or for whatever reason. And uh, f- also, if you are we're expecting a shit show, we have got episodes where we do crap on the films and they are a good laugh. Hello, Wounds, The Prodigy, um, and a few other ones as well where we have a lot of fun, yeah. um, respectfully, kind of shiting all over those films. But surprisingly, this one, this one wasn't the, one of those and. I like, and I mentioned that they let into the horror. I really like the scenes where Carol Ann's uh, little toy phone rings. And a few times that that rings and she's just in the corner or in the middle of her room, this yeah. dark room. And that felt very kind of, that was horror to me. It's just something always, always something scary about kids being involved anyway. But um, her phone rings, she's talking to someone, but we don't know who we could probably have a guess. And then the second time her phone rings, she's just gone to kiss her, 
Nan goodnight. She's uh, Grandma Jess, who's gone to sleep. Uh, and, she's gone to kiss her Nan's corpse. Oh, yeah. And I'd written on my notes, 100%, I've got them here, that the Nan looks like she's already dressed for the grave. And then the next morning, <laughs> turns out she already she was dead. So I don't know if she so preempted that. that. That's, that scene as well, That that next the next morning scene. Do you know, when I was a kid, I found that really difficult to watch because it reminded me of when my nana died. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember like my nana that well, but I remember my mum's reaction to it. And I remember coming down, you know, into the kitchen or whatever, and mum's crying and it's like, oh, like, yeah. And I thought that scene by Joe Beth was really well acted because it did feel proper real. Like, you know, like just how ups- the fact that, you know, you walk into the room and you just instantly know, like, oh, okay, something's, something's wrong really here. wrong here. And it's not because she's crying. It's just the way that they're sat. Like yeah. she sat down and he's like, you know, she knew that you loved her. And it's just, uh, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, you never need to be sorry. I really like that sorry. scene though. No, you're right. You ne- first, you never apologise for interrupting. But yeah, that, that, that's true. The way that they walk down and then Robbie's like, you know, what's going on? And then they say why. And this is a moment where the family gets together. Grandma died? Yeah, Grandma died. Shut up, Robbie. She d- he does kind of come in and be like, what's, you know, what's happening? What are you crying for? Is that like, I don't know. It's just the way he, this awful actor can't deliver his lines. Um, Grandma died? Grandma died. And then they have a cuddle. <laughs> and it's a nice moment in a film where they don't get to have time together to chill out as, as a family. Oh, God. And also, uh, parallel to the first one. The first one, it was a budgie that died. Oh, they've, yeah, so they've upgraded. A, yeah, so it's like um, the, the budgie died and it got to show us that sort of um, the female bond between Diane and, and Carol Ann. Yeah. Whereas this one now, the, the matriarch, like Grandma Jess, like she's she died. So it's like, you know, the, the main woman has kind of died, mm-hmm. if you like. Well, not the main woman, but you know, like you know, yeah, Grandma yeah. Jess. She Lady was the one, the and house, she was whatever. the one that was nurturing Caroline's talents and gifts, and she was trying to get Diane to really face up to what was going on. But she was fucking and creepy. She though. dies. Because oh, the thing is, is that when I was little, I thought that the grandma and Kane were the same person. You would not be wrong. And that for was thinking why that. they were able to talk to. But I thought they were the same person for ages, and I thought that was why. So when she talks to him. When she talks to her actual grandma and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a ballerina, butterfly, whatever the fuck it is she thinks she is. And then she talks to Kane the second time. I'm like, oh, is it like the grandma and him are like, they know one another? I, did, I couldn't figure it out for a long time. Well, and for a lot of the time, Grandma Jess, she's the way she talks to Carol Ann about these, uh, these instincts that she has. You know, she just knows things. She just stares. And smiles, and it's really, really creepy the way she acts around yeah. people. And then Kane comes into the scene uh, a few, a few scenes later, uh, when she's like, "Are you lost, honey? Are you afraid? Why don't you come with me? I'll sing you a song." And you think he's just giving off kind of grandma Jess vibes in the way that he just kind of his eyes. He's like Homer Simpson in the original, in the oldest old episodes of The Simpsons, where his eyes don't move, <laughs> just look straightforward yeah. or whatever. But um that you you're not wrong in thinking that could they be one and the same person or both carrying the same like, evil spirit as each other because i know she's meant to come they across as the, the you know the 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 like say the matriarch the the strong leader or you know the one the inspiration but she is creepy as hell and then kane comes in 
you know, start singing a song. I think, Jesus Christ, what's going on with these old people in this film? Um, but that scene yeah. is very cool with Kane. Uh, I read on the trivia that uh, Heather O'Rourke was so scared by um, Julian Beck that she started crying the first time she met him or had a scene with him. And he is quite intense in these films, like in that yeah. scene where he follows her and he starts singing her a song. He's he's quite like an intense. Imagine being however old you'd have been then, 12 and acting against a seasoned character actor, but one who's like, seemingly so into his role that he's like searching through your soul of his eyes. I, yeah, you know, yeah. I thought he, uh, that is that was another very good scene, and it's and it's one of the opening scenes, really one of the ones that really kicks things off because the film actually kicks off in the weirdest way. How how do you want to differentiate from the first film? We'll open with you know Native Americans at night um, summoning evil spirits for a campfire. That's how you start a film differently, but maybe that's why people didn't like it because it just fit, it, it started off slow like that and it didn't feel like the same film but i think they managed to tie it all in in together and um this film gives us another line bloggy i did roll my eyes a little bit when i heard it again the the the, the, the toy phones run and caroline's picked it up she goes you got wings now but that ain't grandma you know the toy the toy doll head turns to face so the toys come to life which is very cool the beast comes from the phone and robbie's trying to save caroline in one of the only decent things he does in the film and it looks like they've been taken. You're thinking, oh, fuck me. They're doing this again. But Carol Ann's under a sheet and she says, they're back. And I thought, oh, you're kidding me. But I've heard apparently <laughs> that that's a really famous line now because you know, obviously yeah, it's playing it off the first one. But I didn't realise that it was from this film like so many others didn't. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I really like, um, I just like how they did. They keep making nods to things like, you know, the fact that they, he he leaves the TV out of the hotel in the first one, and then in the second one, like Robbie's getting really upset because he might get retardo for not Jesus. having a TV. Yeah, that didn't age yeah, well. That didn't age well. Yeah, that didn't age well. But he's like, you know, the fact that he's like, you've got to use your imagination, son. And it's like, yeah, they're just they're just really going like they're really doubling down on the fact that they're just never going to have a TV again. And I don't blame them, but poor kid, man. But you wouldn't, would you? Though, to be fair, if you got if if your if your youngest daughter or sister got sucked into a TV, I probably think could probably do without one of those in the house for a little while. Well, also, Robbie's an idiot anyway because he can clearly see that his dad's listening to the radio, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, that's it, that a boy," and then he runs back and he's like, "Oh, well, you didn't see it," and he's like, "No, Robbie, he didn't <laughs> pull a TV out of his ass." He's literally Still listening to the baseball TV. on the radio. Still listening to the radio. You've literally took five steps in the other direction, and you think so? You know, maybe they do have to be concerned about him. I don't know. <laughs> maybe he's the problem in all of this. Maybe they, maybe they were wishing well, that he was he taken in the first film, like we said. <laughs> Caroline. <laughs> but a um a cool uh, quote is after Robbie's been brace attacked, and Steve shouts. To, he goes, "Why won't you leave us alone?" And then it gets thrown oh, across God, the yeah. room. You can't keep her here. I am not dead. But I, I, I'm pretty sure a normal human being wouldn't be able to fly around the room like that, uh, Kane, but fine. Yeah, I like that scene. Again, it's it's the whole emasculation type of thing where he's trying to stand up to this other person, like, what, leave us alone, come on. And he just gets gets thrown on like a wet lettuce. <laughs> I, I, re I really like a lot of the jump scares in this as well, like the bit where he's going to do his braces and Caroline taps him and it's all the uh, creepy skeleton people. Yeah, which are apparently real. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I heard about this. That's 
Isn't it in the first one that apparently he used real skeletons or something? And this one as well. And this one. Yeah, I'm sure and they had to have an exorcism true. on the set, which I think apparently Taylor, yeah, the guy, did. Will Sampson did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a load of shit. I don't know how um, true that is, but apparently. I don't, I really don't. I, mean, I don't know. It's it's good good how would a dead film. bodies be cheaper than plastic skeletons? I don't <laughs> get that. <laughs> where did they not get like, them not, from? Was it, was it filmed in like the USSR? I don't understand like, where, where, where <laughs> bodies are in... in heavy supply but plastic is it no, i don't understand <laughs> like, supply and demand get your bodies get, get your bodies um get yeah, your I don't bodies know. here get your bodies you only move the headstones i don't know why they do real bodies skeletons because it doesn't make any difference when they're covered in mud it's just a uh, skeleton I don't understand why anyone would tell them as well. Um, I know I, I can't think of it. I did, I, but I, yeah, I didn't really like the you cat kid. I really hated that bit when I was a kid. It used to really freak me out. And again, oh, well, again, no. that's another thing where he's his masculinity is getting challenged there because he just gets threat. He goes to sit down in his chair in in dad's chair. In dad's chair. And he gets hurtled across the room. You don't sit in dad's chair, do you? No way, because that's Was what that happens when you house? sit in dad's. Yeah, you sit in dad's chair. You get hurtled across the room. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it has a real get thing. Yeeted. Yeah, <laughs> you get yeeted for sitting in dad's chair. So, so mate, mate, you know <laughs> that is the ultimate way of saying you know you're not the man of the house anymore. That he couldn't sit in his own chair. Yeah, this is it. Next thing he's gonna, the kids are gonna eat dinner before him. He's gonna <laughs> yeah. get belittled. Yeah, exactly. He's gonna get belittled, and they're gonna do what mum wants instead. Um, other jump scares. I, I, not necessarily a jump scare, but I did find Diane's uh, like psychic regression into Kane's backstory. I found that really creepy. I just didn't like it. I didn't like the screamy noise when they find his skeleton and it's got the eel coming out of the mouth. It's like, <laughs> and then Tangina's like, too much power. And you're like, what is going on? But the, <laughs> that bit, I really didn't like that. Um, or didn't like as in didn't like because he didn't like it because it was a bad bit of yeah, film or it, it okay. was, no 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 because it just creeped me out okay. and, and the bit where Diane's having that that dream and they're going Diane I really didn't like that when I was a kid it's, <laughs> I still don't really like it now it just freaks me out a little bit no that's um, fair enough fair enough I don't think there's too many just yeah I don't think there's too many jump scares in this is there really I mean there's but there's there's more things that are disturbing, like Julian Beck saying, "Ah, oh, well, why don't you?" And it's the way he says, "Well, why don't you come with me?" And the way that he says it, and it's like when you're a kid and you're watching it, yeah. You, like your mum always says, like, "Don't any anyone says, why don't you come with me if you're lost?" You say no, and it's like that kind of, oh, mm-hmm. like this is really really creepy. But I was saying to you as well, wasn't I, that why why doesn't Diane notice that he's dressed up like a like a prospector like what <laughs> he literally looks like one of those things in a museum yes where they're like the information model things or and an undertaker fine with him yeah he just he but he's dressed in all like ye olde garb it's like on a bridesmaids where she's like there is a colonial woman on the wing of the plane <laughs> she's turning <laughs> better about that. it's just cane <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he's just why don't you come That's on how he me? Gets about so fast yeah Oh, that's it. Um, <laughs> one of the one of the scariest parts of the film, or the jump scares, is is one point where you know, the, the door knocks, Diane opens it, but there's no one there. She says hello, 
And then suddenly Tangina's beneath her and she didn't see her. That's <laughs> like, what? How can you not see her? She hasn't suddenly just become like well, two feet tall or one feet tall. She's, you know, you would not see her there. But um, yeah, she yeah. just sort of scurries in behind her and taps her, taps her on the back, doesn't she? Yeah. She sort of plays a little joke on her. Ooh, yeah, she does. Um, that was good, even if a bit, if it was a bit, um, a bit dumb. What Silly. else? Um, Diane is clairvoyant, like her mother and Caroline. Uh, yeah, we get we find uh, that, was that a bit out. Pony that they they put that bit in there, isn't it? That is proper sequel juice, isn't it? That's proper sequel juice. Where yeah. suddenly we're going to imp- like Caroline, can you can you get the yellow yarn for me, dear? It's like, oh, not yeah. for you, scary nanny. <laughs> yeah, not for you. Your days are numbered, love. But in in the sequels, they always do something like where they give someone from the first film gets is is bestowed with something which that, they never yeah, magic key any vibes from in the first film, but. Apparently, Diane is clairvoyant as well. Um, but we also find out, though, why Carol Ann is so um, on vogue, why she is flavour of the month with the dead. And it's because they tasted the light of her being, Kane's followers. They, they tasted her life force and they liked it and they wanted more. Uh, so there's something special about this kid, which is why Kane's always following her. But it's it was cool to get that kind of one line, even though obviously saying out loud i feel a bit silly but um it's nice to get uh some sort of answer as to why they keep coming back rather than just being we need to make a sequel yeah and i think i th- i've really liked that just just the the idea of that as well because in life you have people like that that are just bottom feeders right where they find mm-hmm. someone and they're like oh you're just you're so happy and so lovely and blah 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 and they feed off you and they they try to suckle that away from you and i think you know, in terms of like I keep saying, this family's so lovely. Like Steve and Diane's relationship is lovely. Carol Ann, like cutest kid in the world. Robbie, not going to talk about him. He's a boy. But the family, you know, even 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 the dog is nice. You know, all dogs are nice, but their dog especially is really lovely. And it's this idea that Kane and these followers that are so desperate for some kind of happiness in their life, they just feed off of other people's happiness. And I think that's true just in life, really, that you, you do get people like that. And I find, I just found that just fun. I thought it was like a fun sort of like parallel mm-hmm. to like, yeah, okay, this this is true in this movie, but it's also like quite a good lesson just in general, like be careful who you have around you. Yeah, no, you're right. And I think this dog might hold a record as well for being the only dog to survive two horror films in the same franchise. And I don't think, other than... Yeah. Other than Grandma Jess, again, like I don't think anybody really dies in this film. We certainly don't see it anyway. No, no, no one did. No one liked to, you know. T- Taylor's fine. He's got his car. Tangina's like happy doing whatever it is that she does. E- everyone's fine. Robbie's mouth's okay. Like, you know, no. but Ebuzz does get into some peril, and I didn't like that. I d- well, I, d- I don't <laughs> like. That whole scene is awful. I just want to put, so the bit where they're, you know, oh, Taylor said it was the only safe space and yeah. then like all of his DIY tools start attacking the car and you're like, mate, if your demon powers can pick up a chainsaw, also when is a chainsaw going to be effective against like... A car. A windscreen. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I just kept thinking about speed holes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's how you. I like, I like that's what, what? you just kept You're thinking. Doing of. that, yeah, <laughs> I really did. Um, but yeah, I mean, so, but I didn't. I didn't like it when Ebuzz because they they were they were 
dead ass going to drive away without the dog and it's Robbie thank god for Robbie who's like yeah. oh we need to get the dog and and they I don't know how they did that with that dog but it did look like they did shock him or scare him and I didn't like it there was I don't want to say they did but in, in as it as does look, knows, it does look like they did it looks like um, they did in the 70s and 80s filmmaking practice was slightly different to how they are now and I guess if the dog didn't die they class that as no animals were harmed in the making of this production, I guess. But yeah, you're right. It does look like they put a little shock in the dog to get him to move. But, um, yeah, that scene was, I found that scene, you're right. He, when a demon or whatever it is can show that much power, now why doesn't it just rip the car apart? I mean, I know it's, you know, starting to get in into like time. Nippy- <laughs> in time. That's the best thing about the Exorcist, though, is that the Exorcist she goes like has a much too vulgar display of power, Karis. It's like, yes, thank you, like thank you that's very you, much. It needs to be built you up, but you know, like slow boil. Don't you know if you can get a chainsaw and you know fuck a car up to the extent that they have, just take the kids. Do you know what I mean? Just just open the door, take the kid. I know that Taylor put some kind of spell on it or whatever, put a spell on the car, but. I just uh, put a chainsaw up to her mum's neck or something and get her to come out of the car. Or just put a chainsaw. You know I mean, like there, there would be chest. ways to just. <laughs> there are ways to do things, but you know, clearly, Kane wasn't that desperate for Carolan. <laughs> yeah, obviously the, the life force. Yeah, the life force was sort of like all right. Didn't taste that good. Yeah, and I know we're getting into like specifics and we're like, oh, why didn't they do this? But we're not going to show such a gratuitous show of power. Then, you know, we are, I think we're right to kind of look at it and say, it, it was a bit stupid, wasn't it? It did feel a little bit weak. And um, I like the fact that the family had to go back to Kestra Verdi as a family. And that was the whole end game of the film, which ties it in nicely to the first one. They got to go back to where it all began. Um, before we f- talk about the ending then, mate, is there anything else you wanted to chuck in about the rest of the film before we talk about the the denouement? Um, yeah, I mean, I think I've already said it. I just, I really, really love the whole bit with um, Steve and Taylor in the car. Like, just, I love the, the, re- the recurring joke there. The and I just... I, yeah, I love Taylor. I just, I, I love all of that. And I especially love how Taylor's introduced where he, he sat on the bonnet of the car and he stands up yeah. and it just goes, okay, all right, Diane, kids, get in the car. Everybody just get in the car. <laughs> that cracked me up. Well, even that, oh, he's no, sitting on be- Steve's bonnet. Yeah, he's sitting at that again. Like, how, what a big yep. dick move that is. I'm going to sit yep. on your car. Um, I, I suppose we, we also haven't, I, re- I did really like the bit, even though it's stupid, where the, the mum gets channeled through that woman. She's like, Elspeth, you went funny. I just, I did oh, quite like yeah. that. And then the, the, you know, the, when he's like, you in cahoots with the woman in there. And he's like, I cahoot with no one. <laughs> you like, no yes, one. queen. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, I did Taylor's introduction and, and then his just relationship with Steve where it's, you know, when he's, he goes, Oh, I really like the health club when I'm going to get my locker. And he's like, sense of humor. That's good. You're going to need it. <laughs> and it's just like, yay. Just I just really like it. Throughout. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else I want to throw in there. Uh, for then, no. yeah, I think Kane was really cool. That yes, yeah, Steve and Taylor's dynamic was was the comedy of the film for the most part. Uh, most of the effects looked okay, and yeah, I liked the, I liked the more horror scenes uh, certainly in the first third with the phone and the disembodied voice on the end of it, and I really like that. I like that they lent more into the horror, as I've mentioned 
in 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 this film and brian gibson before this had really only done like tv films or bbc stuff i believe from having a look at his resume he wasn't like a um seasoned horror director uh jerry goldsmith i think his score is bigger this time around he goes again sequelitis even the score sounds bigger or more lush and i really like the score of this film i like jerry goldsmith most of the time anyway and uh i like how he carried on carol ann's themes at the right part as well so yeah like the music in this and of course uh dominic dunn wasn't in this we're talking about people who were uh characters who were oft on screen obviously dominic dunn wasn't in this because she had been murdered as we mentioned in the last episode and out of respect they just kind of retired the character they wrote her out without um without saying why which can be a bit odd when you realize that the one of the family members just isn't there but you know use your head you know she's gone to university she's got she's moved across the country because her house was swallowed whatever she's on that holiday inn on the r94 wherever it was you know there's many reasons why mm. but um just to, that, that i thought obviously I, the, the way they handled it was probably the best that they could have done without making a song and dance because if you say she's at university if you say it then that opens the door for the character to come back and it's not the same person and let's just leave it as it is out of respect so um but the yeah. third act of this film, they make the final part, which is um, where we see what's on the other side. I think this film is subtitled The Other Side, Poltergeist to The Other Side. And they show us the other side. In the first film, we don't get that. They keep it a mystery and it's all uh, it's all um, shadows and strobe lights and icky goo. But here they show it. Um, what do you think about them showing the other side here? Yeah, they shouldn't have done that. <laughs> they really shouldn't have done that. It kind of looks like, you know, when you see, I don't know if you've seen all these TikToks recently of these kids going into the, uh, you know, the things where you can fly and you've got like an instructor and there's loads of kids just absolutely shiting themselves. Or you get people just uh, that are just rubbish at it and they can't float. Like a simulator. It just looks like that. Oh, I know what you yeah, mean. You know, yeah, like I know what the, you mean. Big, them big wind tunnels. Wind you know, tunnels, yeah, got, yeah, I know. Someone, yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks like that. It just, it, <laughs> but like, it's a bit shitter. But really shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah a yeah. shit wind tunnel. When Caroline uh, falls into the line. Oh, God. And then re-emerges with her nan. <laughs> it's like, what God. is going on? And then Grammy Jess is standing there looking all heavenly. Yeah, she's dressed up like a bloody angel on a Christmas tree. And you think, oh, give it a rest. She's like, oh, no, Caroline. And she she whizzes <laughs> off like um, it looks like something out of like the Teletubbies or something or like Poochie, where he's like, I have to go now. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. I really, I really hated it. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, I have to go now. And he just like lives in space and they just pull the cell up. Yeah, I really, really don't like the ending. I, and I really don't don't like the fact that taylor is just conveniently there to like help him out all the time he was like oh the beast lies this is just an illusion here's a spear go on steven and then and then they still fuck it up anyway and she still gets it thank god her mum died otherwise (laughs) caroline would be gone forever they'd have to rely on like some other relative which you know wouldn't have been as reliable i suppose otherwise they would have been living in their house they couldn't go to like Stephen's. Might mom, have been a bit less creepy. Clearly, no. <laughs> yeah, it might have been a bit yeah, less creepy. Yes. But she's nowhere to be seen. Uh, well, Carol Ann. What I like about the scene as well is two things. Before Carol Ann, where they go to find her, is they're in the when they're in the shaft and they see all the baddies. 
this cane appears and he kind of, I don't know what he shouts, but it shouts, sounds like he screams Halloween. It's like he goes, Halloween! It's fucked and mess weird. And Diane and Carol Ann, <laughs> they're then sucked into the void. I don't know what's going on. But then when Taylor's chanting and through the flames, you can see Diane and Carol Ann, this like Rocky esque music starts playing and it's so weird. I don't know if you remember or yeah. not, but it's kind of really inspirational, upbeat gym music starts playing. I thought, what film am I watching? <laughs> It's like pure Ibiza classics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pete Tong starts coming out, waving his hands. <laughs> and then I'll, and then ta- Taylor's throwing spears about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They shouldn't have gone to the other side. They should have just left it a mystery. But you know, hey ho. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit bum. That is. Caroline's seen better days. She, her face appears on some in some corpses, and then she starts to have the light sucked out of her, whatever. And she's seen better times, I think. Uh, but then, but then they all come out at the end, and everything's fine. Taylor says to Carl, "Be happy if it goes home with him." And then they remember they can't get home, and they have to chase him down the street. So yeah. it ends on a laugh, which is really odd. But I think uh, I don't think there's any other way that this film, connecting obviously with the first film, I think it works quite well with that ending. Yeah, I yeah, I I do sort of like the joke ending. I just feel that it's a bit out of place. Oh, it makes no sense because yeah. just give him a car. Yeah, just yeah, just it just really really doesn't make any sense, <laughs> like whatsoever. But um, funny for Steve though. Because also, what have where's Tangina gone? Because Tangina was in there, wasn't she, with them? And he's like, Tangina, where um, where have they gone? Where have they gone? And then they hear Taylor in like some remote cave. So Steve like stumbles his way over there. And then I think Tangina like comes out with them. But like, where, how's Tangina getting home? Where's she going? And it just, it sort of reminds me of like, you know, like the railway children, like those really bizarre, you know, like where they wave <laughs> to you in character going like, goodbye, my dears. Like really sort of weird <laughs> English kind of like, you know what I mean, like that weird seventies. Like, I'm sure it is like the railway children and yeah, like Pollyanna, yeah, yeah. where people people bid you farewell in character, and it sort of feels like that. Where they're, it's like an encore weird. where you just sort of feel really uncomfortable. Tangina was nothing, no part of it. No, but I, but, but no, this is it. Like, it's so weird. It's not like you know Tangina's then running with them, or Tangina goes, "Oh, don't worry, you can get in my car." <laughs> yeah. Like, how does she? Does she just live there? Like. What I don't understand. So there she we go. She snuck That's... out the back. She wasn't having any of that. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's just gone. She just clicked her fingers and she's just gone. Well, anyway, I don't think we've got anything left to say, mate. After all that, <laughs> after all that, Tangina just sodded off out the back. They haven't got a car. Taylor, well, he's the winner in all this. He barely lifted a finger, and he gets a free car out of it. Yeah. There we go. Well, I mean. And also, that car's kind of like got the uh, same regenerative power. Uh, re- regenerative. How do you say regenerative. it? Regenerative. Regenerative powers as the car from uh, what's it called? Commando. Commando. And probably any other car in any other film. That- it gets completely and utterly battered. <laughs> like there's no fine. wheels on the thing, and then Taylor just is like, "I'll take your car," and it drives fine, and it's fine. And you're like, "What, what about the chainsaw and the, <laughs> you know?" All the rest of it. What about, what about the all the shit attacks? that happened to this car? It look, I wish my cars were that reliable. I know. I mean, look, at you know, to be fair, this is quite a theme. In, so you've got like Evil Dead where you've got the car and that breaks down. Uh, Fright Night, his car gets absolutely fucked up. 
this just an 80s thing where it's like, not but not the Camaro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Camaro, Canyonero. Um, <laughs> Whoa, Canyonero. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was lost in a dream then trying to think of other horror cars that just get bracked up. But um, now I've Canyonero has taken my fancy now. But um, right, mate, well, I think that is our Poltergeist 2 chat. It seems that we're both that is. kind of, I knew you were up on it because you've been telling me about, telling me about this film forever, but uh, I'm pleasantly surprised that I didn't hate it. I think it's pretty good. Um, I don't know whether it's better than the first one. You are more uh, in a position to say that. Do, do you reckon for you personally, which one do you prefer, one or two? Well, yeah, but for me personally, I, I, I do prefer two because that was the one that I saw when I was a kid. So, yeah. And to be fair, I don't think my I think my I don't think my mum realised how scary this was. <laughs> yeah. So because she thought Poltergeist was just a bit of you know sort of shits and gigs, you and then Poltergeist right. Two is like um, debatable. Debatable. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah debatable. I, I, I don't. I don't know. It, it hasn't impacted my TV watching abilities. I'll tell you that now. The amount of times that Netflix is like, are you okay, Hun? Are you sure you're still watching this? <laughs> I'm like, don't question watching? me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please get up and go outside. Yeah. Please okay. just have a wee, like your poor bladder. <laughs> or at least get up and go to the toilet and do it on the chair, you animal. <laughs> Are you having kidney failure? <laughs> yeah. What is happening yeah. here? You have cystitis. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, moving on. Right. Do you need some um, cranberry juice? <laughs> <laughs> Do you need to go and change your adult nappy? You, you slob. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I can't because we'll have to... some Walker's crisps out of your belly button. Oh, about to... stop it. Okay, that's not what I thought you were going to say. Well, at the risk of having to apologise again, I'm going to cut that short right now. Um, keeping you in line, Balboa. That's it for our poltergeist <laughs> two yeah if you've check. got cystitis we are sorry oh shit yeah apologies it's not funny um i've had a kidney stone so I, I, i'm all right <laughs> I, I can talk about it same thing cystitis <laughs> is hilarious trust me okay good that's all right then kidney stones aren't i wouldn't wish that on anyone apart from no. kane in this film but and robbie um right we are now going to move on to our death by pod game uh, where we we usually well, we always do. Every episode, we kind of come up with a game. We alternate who comes up with it. But for this one, because it's a follow-on from Poltergeist, where we played the imaginatively titled Polterheist, tonight we are playing Polterheist 2. And for those who don't know the rules, I'm going to try not to butcher them. Um, basically, we have to take three lines of dialogue from this film, from Poltergeist 2, and then we have to splice it with a quote from another movie. Could be any genre. So we we'll, we'll say the we'll say the Poltergeist two line, and then we'll repeat it with the new line spliced in. And now a person's got to guess where this new line has come from. Now I think I got that right. Is that how we play the game, Elizabeth? Yes, that is exactly right. Sweet. Well, I won last time somehow. Oh no, it was a draw. Sorry, I don't mean to take the credit. I didn't win. It was a draw last time. It's two two. Now. Let's see if we can have a runaway winner this time. How well do we know our film quotes? Blocky, let's do it. Do you want to go first? Oh, go on then. Okay. Um, so my first quote, the original quote is, you can stay in the house, okay? You can have my aura, my spirits, the ghost, the whole deal, the whole cassava, but keep your hands off my car, okay? Okay. So that's the original quote. The spliced quote. 
You can stay in the house, okay? You can have my aura, my spirits, the ghost, the whole deal, the whole cassaba. But keep your hands off of the second shelf. That's where I keep my root beers and my double thick Oreo cookies. Nobody touches the second shelf but me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, root beer and double thick Oreo cookies. Go. I bet somebody out there in that's now shouting at me what this is. Um rules we got some rules in this house oh no um oh fuck it's um uh fangs um <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland mullet um you know what I'm talking about come on um Lost Boys do you Boys. still believe yes I'm yes. Claxon here we go <laughs> <laughs> yes Lost Boys <laughs> Oh, yes, we'll never be able to recreate that sound as much as we try because we don't know from what area of hell it came from. So I don't even know if it came out of my mouth at this point. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to know where it came from. (laughs) From an orify on your body. Right, so it's (laughs) 1-0 out of 1. Here we go. Here's your first quotes. Talking about things which haven't aged well, let's make a joke out of it. My quote is, great, I'll just have to grow up retarded. That's my quote. And then I'm going okay. to splice it with another one. So with the new quote, it's great. I'll just have to grow up retarded. Knowing is the easy part. Saying it out loud is the hard part. Oh my god! What is that? <laughs> Not fair is what it is. <laughs> no, knowing is the easy part, Robbie. Saying it out loud is the hard part. Ooh. Oh god, I don't know. I know it, but I don't know it. It does sound like something G.I. Joe would say. It's not like Harry Potter or something, is it? Uh, It's not from Harry Potter. Candyman. Is it Candyman? Are you going Candyman? Yeah. You find Lancer? Yeah, I don't know. Sadly, it's not Candyman. That sad klaxon says otherwise. It was from... The Horse Whisperer. It was uh, Robert Redford's character, Bobby Redford. Knowing is the easy part, saying out loud is the hard part. The Horse Whisperer. The Horse Whisperer. Okay, well, no, I didn't know that then, so I feel better. Thank you. Okay, fine. <laughs> Good. You'll definitely get the next one. It's, I didn't even try. So, uh, But before that, what's your second one? So my second one, the original quote is, Are you lost, sweetheart? Are you afraid, honey? Well, then why don't you come with me? All right, I'll sing you a song until your mum comes back. Spliced quote. Are you lost, sweetheart? Are you afraid, honey? Well, then why don't you come with me? All right, then. I'll sing you a song until your mum comes back. When anything bothers me and I feel unhappy, I just try to think of nice things like daffodils, green meadows, skies full of stars, raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens. <laughs> <laughs> whiskers on kittens um, do you know what the funny thing is I don't remember what the film's called <laughs> um, uh, rain- imagine if he sang her that song raindrops on whiskers and thinkies on kittens god these are my fair lady Final these, these are a few of my favourite things oh no fuck well no it's not what is it it's um these are a few I can't think what the fucking what the damn film's called oh yeah because as soon as you tell me I'm gonna have a brain fart got I know I can't think and I know what it is you sure yep I generally can't remember and this is awful 
It's the sound of music. Oh, no. Oh. I knew it. I could sing the damn song, Theza. I, I could I'll not sing. I'll sing you a song until your mama comes until back. Mama Raindrops comes back. on roses yeah, and whiskers, whiskers on, on kittens. He starts like, clicking, clicking his heels. <laughs> I couldn't get the Wizard of Oz out of my head, but I knew it wasn't the Wizard of Oz. Clearly, because it wasn't. Oh, mate. Fuck. Well, this has opened the game up horribly now because, uh, like I said, I didn't even try with this one. I might as well give you the point. Yeah, you're no, you're yeah, and same with my last one. You're going to get this one. Okay, well, here we go. Then, funny enough, your quote uh, was quite relevant. So, the quote I've got for you now is, "All right, then, I'll sing you a song until your mother comes mm. back." That's the quote, as you've just said. And the oh, for fuck's sake, and the quote now is, "All right, then, I'll sing you a song until your mother comes back." Your mother sucks cocks in hell. <laughs> That's the omen, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's I'm the joking. omen. It's the exorcist. <laughs> oh, here we go. Sorry, mate. <laughs> I just saw the word mother. Right. I was like, I gotta uh, go with it. Okay, are you ready for your next point? Because you're going to get this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's one all. Go on. So the original quote is: "Nothing really dies like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Death only transforms us into another state of being." Okay. Mm-hmm. So, new quote, nothing really dies like when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Death is only the beginning. No, oh, death is only the beginning. Do you know what? It's one, again, I can think about it, but I can't think what the film is called. Death is only the beginning. Um, she like, says it really dramatically as well. She's like, death is only the beginning. And it's like... Oh, I genuinely can't think of <laughs> what the film's oh, called Matt, no. Like death. no I could think it's familiar for a minute I was thinking oh it's uh, oh it's Gandalf isn't it in, at the end of Lord of the Rings The Return of the King but death is only the beginning I mean the Shit. movie is as epic as Lord of the Rings because I know it I know what film it is death is only the beginning oh um um uh, <gasps> I feel better now is it the mummy? Yes, it is. Well <laughs> yes. done. Sound the clags in. Yes. <laughs> yes. I knew it. As soon as he said it's a woman and, and an epic, I was like, I knew it was, because again, the first I thought it was Lord of the Rings and it hit me. I remember that moment. Thank you so much oh, for oh, God. allowing me I the wanted time. To, I wanted to give you a clue and I was just going to be like, look, it's like you're on the wrong side of the river. I would I have got like, it for definite get it then. instantly, yeah. instantly. <laughs> Not the daddy. <laughs> that would have been my cue. But I would have definitely got that then. Um, okay, so it's 2-1 to um, Daddy Hud. Do you want your third one, Bloggy? Yes, please. Hit right, me with to it. end out the show, the quote is from Steve. He says, "Okay, we're we're broke, but we're not we're not starving." Okay. Okay. With the new quotes in, it's okay. We're we're not we're broke, but we're not we're not starving. If you are what you eat, then I only want to eat the good stuff. If you are what you eat, then I only want to eat the good stuff. Oh fucking hell! Um, uh, I'll give you a clue. Clue. It's from an animated film. The Simpsons if- movie. It's definitely not the Simpsons movie. <laughs> if you are what you eat, and I only want to eat the good stuff. An animated movie. This game's oh, fun. Oh, okay, I like, like it. 
Um, it is like a Disney animated film. Yes. Um, about eating. About eating? Or about food. Oh, um, is it Ratatouille? You'll find out when I press the klaxon button now. <laughs> it is. It's uh, Remy the rat as Pat and Oswald. Yes, he says, if you are what you eat, then I only want to eat the good stuff. In Ratatouille. Uh, Blocky, well done, mate. Well, you gave me a lot of clues with that one, so many thanks. <laughs> well, I, 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 don't, I don't like winning the game. It's really bad, isn't it? So for the second week in a row, we are all square with the sure. second round of Polterheist. Um, God knows what we'll be doing for the next game. Maybe it'll be end up being the same one, but it's Bloggy's choice for the next game. And that's going to be that for this episode of Death by Pod with Poltergeist 2. But uh, preceding the next game will be us talking about Orphan First Kill. Elizabeth has now seen Orphan First <laughs> Kill. Um, yes. As you can tell by her response, which is not too diff- dissimilar to mine. <laughs> We've done Orphan as well. So we're, we're doing a follow up, but not week, uh, not episode after episode. But it'll be interesting to see your thoughts on Orphan First Kill. Elizabeth, a horror film well, set thirteen years after. For that, could we? Could we not? Um, you know, like what they did in school, where you'd like have a baby and you'd have to take it what? home and like look after it and stuff. Oh, you want me to? You, you, should we have? Do we have to get dolls and nurture them for the next week or two? Yeah, I mean, like, so you, not this doesn't include your daughter either. Like, I know that you have a baby, but you have to, you know, and we'll have one that like pisses and shits itself and that, and we'll have to look after it for a week, and that can be the game. Because uh, then, then it's like a little orphan, isn't it? Interactive, yeah. It's just, well, we, or we could just go and adopt an orphan kid for a week and then send him back after. Well, we just want to hope that we adopt the right one, I suppose. Yeah, we want to hope we don't want to adopt a twenty-five-year-old masquerading as an eight. Any UV paint in my house? I'm they're done skis. Do you know what I mean? Their feet ain't going to touch the ground. If out I find the door, any old school away. LPs as well, they're gone. That's the oh. glory of what? Get out. That's where it's going to be. But let's not spoil all the You want to sing me kill. a song? Well, why didn't we do that? I'll yeah. sing a song till your mama comes back. That's yeah, the that's glory, glory of, of love. love. <laughs> Get out. Throw him down the stairs. That's not the skin I ordered. So, orphan right, first then. kill. I'll sing you a song until your mom comes back. Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle <laughs> bell rock. Yeah. Polter goes are back. This is what we wanted. Oh, after last Kevin week. G. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, you, if you haven't heard last week, you'll have no idea what's going on. Oh, but that makes it even funnier. It won't make any sense, but yeah. If any, if it made any sense to start with in the first place. But yeah, so we'll be back next time with a review of Orphan, not a review, discussion of Orphan First Kill. And we'll be able to let you know if the baby we adopted or created is still alive. Yeah. But until then, we hope you've enjoyed Poltergeist 2. And like Bloggy said halfway through, let us know what you thought about this film. Do you like this film? Is this one which you, you didn't want to tell people in case they told you you were mental. Do you hate this film? If you do, why? Not because we want to have that out of you, but I really haven't seen many voices saying why they don't like the film, as in why it's mm. such a downgrade from Poltergeist 2. Not liking the film's one thing, but why is it such a downgrade from the first Poltergeist? That's why I want to know your thoughts. So I think what, yeah, what we're saying to the listeners is, tell me what you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to play the sound again, but I'm not going to. Oh, can I? Can I? 
Oh, go on then. Oh. <laughs> Play us oh, out, sh- keyboard cat. <laughs> <laughs> Your daughter is highly clairvoyant, Jesus. as I suspect <laughs> you are as well. Now tell me what you feel. <laughs> Come on, that was good. Come on, that was good. See? That was good. Tell me, <laughs> tell me I'm good. That, that was good. Great. And uh, when you tell us how much you liked or disliked Pottergeist 2, please tell Elizabeth how you what you thought about her Tangina impression and feed tell the me ego. What you feel. For Christ's sake, please do it. <laughs> <laughs> she needs this. Um right, that's it then. Uh, you can do that by letting us know what you thought about the film and Elizabeth's impressions by following us on social media, Facebook, so not Facebook, don't bother at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram <laughs> at death by pod, all one word at death by pod. And by sharing this with your mates, you're doing us a solid and the world a solid by letting our voices be out there to even more people. Uh, if you like what we, we, we're doing, please leave us a five star rating or review because that also bumps us up the, the charts, the horror pod charts and all the rest of them as well but more importantly we just want to hear from film fans and your opinions on the films that we do so let us know your thoughts on Guys 2 and orphan first kill before the next episode but until then from me see ya and from bloggy bye your daughter is highly clairvoyant oh, as I suspect. <laughs>